Hey, what's up, you guys? Another episode of Just So We're Clear. Myself, Marissa True, and opposite, Hanley Hofer. And I don't know if you guys can tell that our sound is a little bit different, but we got a major upgrade. Major upgrade. Guys, shout out to Audio Technica for supporting our cute little podcast. That's staying, by the way. Because <laughs> they hooked us up with these dope-ass mics. And guys, check it out. Look how much ASMR we can get on this. We should do a whole ASMR channel. Can you guys hear my lips moving? Together? Right? You See? Can, that- you, I feel like you can almost hear my spit. Ooh. Like, mm, yes. Okay. <gasps> also creepy, but... I can hear. Okay, so you guys can't tell because I mean, why it's so exciting for us because we're wearing these headsets, so we actually get audio feedback as we say it. And wow, I know <gasps> high definition. We are upgrading, you guys. The podcast is going up, up, up. But enough about our newest equipment, our latest toys. Let's get into today's episode. So as you guys can see from the title, this time we did something a little alternative and, well, I guess I, because this one I did solo Mm -hmm. without Marissa, um, Mm -hmm. interviewed a really, really interesting person. Her name is Christina Rios and she is an intuitive ceremonialist. I don't know what that is. I don't... So I got Christina to break down exactly what her job title is and why she chose that for herself. But essentially, Christina is a facilitator. She helps people with guided meditations. She helps people through working with a whole variety of practices, you know, maybe some kundalini yoga, Mm. gong bath meditation, um, crystal bowls. Yeah, it's... um, she, what I feel like I'm going to butcher exactly her description of what she does because it's just so different mm-hmm. than someone you just regularly meet. So I got her to explain exactly what she does, and I'm going to save it for when you guys tune into the episode because I think, yeah, it, she just does such a beautiful job explaining. Yeah, I mean, you listed a whole bunch of things, and they all make sense, but in terms of encapsulating it into an intuitive ceremonialist mm-hmm. and exactly what that entails... I say we just tune in. Tune in. Yeah. So a little background, though, of how Christina and I met. So the first time I met Christina was actually at a full moon ritual that she hosted here in Singapore. What's a full moon ritual? So full moon rituals, you know how every time there is a full moon, our energies change, right? Yeah, which is why this week has been shit. This week was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, That's the only thing. I I think Instagram again told me that it was a full moon. I was like, oh, okay, what does this one mean? There was something to do with Scorpio Mm -hmm. and that's where my ears burn because I am Scorpio and like, Oh, yeah, this must have been a huge week for you. So- it was not great. <laughs> <laughs> no, Scorpio moon is intense. I, well, for me, it was actually I had a really good week. But maybe, no, good for you. Maybe that's because my boyfriend is arriving on Monday and I'm like, oh! no moon energy can tap on that goodness. <laughs> Fuck you, Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but so I met Christina last full moon and basically when the full moon is up in its glory our energies change and a full moon ritual is a time to ground Mm. and the ritual the ceremony that christina hosted was a gong bath and singing bowl it was basically sound meditation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i met her in there um and i realized that christina first of all has a really strong energy that is so grounded in her wisdom 
In other words, I could tell that this chick really knew what she was talking about. And I also realized that in recent times in our modern world, there has been this sort of resurgent of traditional ritual and practices because I think everyone is sort of reaching for a way to feel grounded again. Yeah, and I think that we have all these different treatments, techniques, therapies, like it's all clinical per se, but there's nothing that actually just kind of makes us feel like we're doing what we're supposed to naturally be doing. It, everything feels like a fix for something else mm. rather than, like you said, a practice, mm -hmm. which is supposed to just keep us level. Yeah. So we really went into the depth of sound meditation and vibrations and frequencies. And, and that's because when something as respected and as traditional as rituals surrounding gong baths mm -hmm. come into our modern world and start to become trendy. Yeah. There is a risk that we jump so quick on a trend without understanding its origins. Yeah, we need to pay respect to its cultural roots because it's also going to give us greater understanding as to why exactly we're doing it because it is tied to a belief system, a faith, if you will. And You can't just disrespect that and use the procedure as the fix. Like, it kind of beats the whole point. <laughs> exactly. So we, I mean, we touch on so much in this episode from unpacking the term healer, which, you know, Christina has her own views about, which is super perspective shifting, actually, um, uh, as well as, yeah, I mean, the, the history and the science between sound healing. But before I met Christina to record this episode, I was invited over to her place for a cup of tea to kind of touch base because I think someone who works in this kind of space, because it's so alternative, there's always a really cool backstory. Like, how do you become a sound healing facilitator? You know, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. so niche. Almost. Yeah, like no one kind of grew up thinking, I know exactly what I want to be when I grow up. And it is a sound healer. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're always like doctor, lawyer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But you're never like, gong bath specialist yeah. <laughs> that was not on our top 10 list <laughs> yeah so i went over and she made me a cup of tea and she shared with me uh her story of how she ended up in this work and a key a key part of that story was her spiritual awakening so part of her spiritual awakening um meant that she started to remember and deeply acknowledging her past lives. And it was so cool. She was telling me how she was in Greece and suddenly she would just intuitively know directions of the land and even get to, she even got to a point where she could read the Greek alphabet and like understand it without ever learning Greek before because she just felt so emotionally connected and in a way that was so logically inexplicable that it just... Yeah, it had for her, it made sense to refer and recognize that she was going through a spiritual awakening by remembering. That's because so, last episode we talked about past lives and you were starting to look into wondering who you were in the previous. Mm -hmm. I still have no idea who I would be, but. It kind of makes me wonder, oh, when's my spiritual awakening? But that's When am thing. I going to have one? I think everyone goes through it. I think so. I don't, we can unpack this. And we can unpack yeah. this. There's, there's a lot to unpack. A, there's a lot to unpack. I'm going to talk to my therapist first. I'll come back. <laughs> But, you know, when she was in Greece, she started having, like, overwhelming emotional reactions when walking around, like, ancient ruins. Um, but that's just one part of her journey to end up where she's doing what she is now. I think a lot of what she's doing now, um, a lot of bravery came with it because she left a corporate job 
to pursue her calling, you know. And I think I think anyone who leaves, I guess, a comfortable mm-hmm. and and I guess modern position to follow something that their soul is calling them to do, like that takes an immense amount of bravery. Yeah, because it's acknowledging that the fulfillment you're looking for is not in the thing that you thought it was Mm -hmm. and completely changing track. Yeah. So with that came a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty, leaving security. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. (laughs) Um, But I mean, not only that, I'm really just skimming on the surface of what she shared with me because I just think that she's so interesting. And yeah, guys, I think that this episode is going to help us all not only maybe get some questions to ask ourselves deeper and it comes when it comes to our you know path of healing but also maybe get us interested to try this method to ground and help in any way possible i need me a gong bath yeah this i've already determined mm-hmm. <laughs> all right well then shall we take it away let's do it guys just so we're clear and christina rios Well, Christina, I know I said thank you earlier, but I feel like you can never have enough gratitude when, you know, beginning any type of recording or session. So once again, thank you so much for taking your time to come on our cute little podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it's an honor and a pleasure, and I can't wait to dive into everything. How's your week been? My week has been extremely busy, to be honest with you, Um, between personal life, between uh, just different demands with my schedule, through clients, through workshops I'm teaching. It's pretty full on right now. So this is a welcome respite from my hectic week having and, this combo. And a couple days ago, we had a super moon. Yes. Yeah. How was that for you? Very you, intense. Okay. Because the, la- the last super moon was the first time I met you. That's when I came into your ritual, your ceremony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And during that supermoon, I was a hot ass mess. Like I was crying all over the place. I talked about it on the podcast as well. But for this past supermoon, like just yesterday and the day be- days before and leading up to it, I've just been like, I feel like I've been on fire. I've had a great set. Like, yeah, the energies have been working out for me. <laughs> so You're in flow. You? You're yeah, in flow. Something, something's going right. It's so interesting. And I, you know, the moon is augmented by whatever sign it's in. And I think the one you came, if I'm not mistaken, was maybe it was a Libra full moon, Mm -hmm. I want to say. So Libra is known for balance and it's the sign of relationships. So it can really shake up anything internally with our relationship with self or with others that's out of alignment. So perhaps there's something there. And that's why that, that moon really you know, shook you up. But then now with the most recent moon, it was the uh, Scorpio full moon. And Scorpio always gets me. Mm. I'm a water sign. I'm a cancer. And I do have a fair amount of Scorpio in my chart. Scorpio is the sign of death, rebirth, of light and darkness, transformation. And leading up to the full moon, I felt completely fine. And then Sunday hit and then Monday hit. And I was just... It rocked me. Honestly, I was up till 5 a.m. after teaching my class on Monday evening. So I felt like I went to a rave the next day. I felt like I had a spiritual and energetic hangover. And um, during my class, a lot of people had really intense experiences on either side of the spectrum, which is perfectly in alignment with Scorpio Mm. because that sign 
it will show you what you need to heal. And sometimes it's not in the most beautiful, subtle or light way. It can be really intense and triggering. But in that way, it lets us know that this is what we have to work on. Mm. So it's it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I still do have a bit of a full moon hangover, which is a real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. The full moon hangovers, it's a real thing. And and one thing that I'm loving is kind of the resurgence of people paying attention to the moon and what that does for us. So one of the things I'm recognizing, I'm sure you are too, is, you know, the aftermath and I guess the ongoing situation of the pandemic. It's thrown people and their energy just up in the air. And people are looking for a sense of grounding, right? And so all these, I guess, ancient ancient rituals and, and methods and practices are coming back into our world because at this time, we need it. And I think it's perfect that I met you at this time as well because I'm going through my own journey of learning more about what types of practices are available for us. So to have you here on our podcast is great. So let's break it down, all right? Your job title is not a common one, my dear. <laughs> no, <laughs> so it is Christina not. is an intuitive ceremonialist. Let's start there. What does that mean? What do you do? So I'm very intuitive. I have been since I was a small child. It's something that is really in my DNA through my maternal side. And I remember at five years old, my mother telling me, you also have the gift. I have it too. So I'm lucky that my mom actually nurtured that in me and didn't, you know, just brush off any intuitive pulls or downloads I had as a child as being my imagination, Mm. which tends to happen to kids. So that was embraced from a young age. And I've had quite a journey with my intuition. And ultimately, I consider it my greatest tool. It's my, my ally. And it is a direct connection to the divine and divine guidance and it's never ever steered me wrong it's never been wrong it's it's saved my life one time so the work i do is deeply intuitive it's not from an egoic place it's not from a cognitive place of course i bring my cognition and my rational mind along for the ride but that's in the passenger seat the intuition is driving the car and then in terms of ceremonialists Well, when we look at what's out there in terms of different facilitators of meditation and sound, people will call themselves healers, they might call themselves a teacher, they might call themselves all sorts of terms. The one that resonated with me the most was ceremonialist. And the reason that resonated is because my ancestral background, which is Native and Latin American, and they would facilitate and they still do ceremonies. So that just really spoke to my heart. And a huge reason why I do the work I do is my connection with my ancestors and understanding that this is my sole purpose. So it's a really, you know, deep resonance with that word. And I don't resonate with the term healer. I don't resonate with the term teacher. I'm just a baby on my path. I think we all are. Mm -hmm. So that's why I picked that term. And it is confusing to some people because they hear ceremony, oh, it's a wedding, or what? Mm-hmm, what is that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But So there is an education piece, but ultimately all of our ancestors practice ceremonies for various different reasons, and it's a return to our ancestral roots, mm. my sessions. God, that is so beautifully put. And I love 
I love that you also uh, brought up the term healer because we like we lightly touched on it. And I know that there's a lot to unpack with your feelings towards that word. Even I have a little bit of a I don't know, I wouldn't say struggle, but I think I'm still learning what that word means to me, because to each of us, when we hear healer, everyone can have different interpretations of what that is, because I think healing mm -hmm. in itself is so wide. So just like on the surface, like I talk about a lot about my mental health journey um, publicly and I share that I'm healing and I and I notice that, you know, I think that sometimes if people hear that I am healing or I need healing, it's because I went through something traumatic mm -hmm. and that if you need to heal, it's because, well, the opposite of heal is to be unwell. So there is that like polarizing kind of view towards even just the term healing and healer, because if you need to heal, it must have meant that you were broken in a way. So I think because of this kind of closed and very one-sided opinion and definition of what healing and healers do in this world now, there's confusion around it, you know? What, yeah. do, what sparks for you when the term healing or when someone says they're a healer comes up? Oh, so much to say on this. First, I just want to touch on one thing, and that's that we are technically all healing. We are all on a healing journey. Mm. That's what I believe anyway. And I believe that it's part of our path in life is to reunite and remember our soul's purpose. It's not about finding who you are. It's about remembering who you are, because ultimately we are humans having a human experience, but before our time as humans, we were souls. And during our incarnation on this planet, we are a soul that's embodied in this dense physical vessel. And after our time here, we will return to our innate essence, which is being a soul. And that we have like a contractual agreement as to what our soul came here to do. Mm -hmm. And part of that requires going through really challenging and painful experiences to arrive at lessons that help us rise into our highest self, not in a hierarchical sense, but as in we climb mountains and we travel through different base camps and we eventually arrive at our summit at the end of our life. And when we look back and we look down at the view around us, all the dots connect and it makes sense. So things are happening for us, not to us. And the releasing the shame and the stigma with the word healing, I think is really important. But going, touching back on the you know word healer, this is where I have a very big problem and I, I and I really do have strong feelings around this word which you're aware of so I don't call myself a healer and whenever if anyone calls me that I correct them because it doesn't resonate and it's not true it's not accurate because I believe very strongly that we are our own healers and that again that's part of our our path and our journey we can go to others as mere guides around you know, shining a light on the path to help us you know, hold our hand or direct us. But we ultimately have to take the accountability and the responsibility for our journey. We cannot outsource our power. This is when it gets really tricky. And this is also when, you know, we have healers that can be quite egoic and there's mm. spiritual ego, which spirituality and ego do not go hand in hand. They're an oxymoron. So I think it is dangerous to use the word healer because it becomes a passive experience. I go to you and you heal me. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. Mm. And that's not how it should be. And unfortunately, 
there is a lack of integrity in some of these healing practices and throughout the industry and a lack of accountability because we don't have a governing body or board, right? But part of my own personal interpretation of taking something like a Hippocratic Oath is that I always direct clients, friends, family who come to me back to themselves to remember their innate birthright, which is that they are perfectly whole. They are, they are love ultimately. And that it comes down to releasing whatever is misaligned and what is not part of our innate essence in order to remember who we are and why we came here. I think that's so powerful and and everyone should remember that we truly have the power to heal ourselves. Like it is all within. Mm-hmm. Like we are perfectly capable and powerful on our own. And what you just said of breaking down, removing yeah, I guess the hierarchy that comes when you give someone the title of a healer, it's almost like I expect you to fix me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's not right. That's not right. Ah, okay. Love that. So much that we can go deeper into that. But let's bring it back to the chat because when I met you a, a super full moon ago, I love that I can say that. A super full moon ago. Um, <laughs> I met you and you were facilitating a gong bath and a crystal bowl ceremony. So I know that uh, from what you shared with me, you use different modules in your practices with your clients. But today I really want to zone in on that. So I guess for a new, so I always learned as that being considered sound healing, but since we're going to stay away from, you know, the notion of healing and, and that term, what, what would you call that? What do we refer it to now? So I call it sound meditation. Okay. Integrity is really important to me, as is aligning expectations uh, from the Mm get-go. Because can you heal during a sound meditation session? Yes, you can. But Mm -hmm. you also might not. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So sound is just a tool that has been used since ancient times to bring us from imbalance to balance and to carve out time and space for reflection. And a number of outcomes can be at the the end of that journey, right? Um, one of my mentors and teachers, his name is Alexander Tanus. He is an ethnomusicologist and he's an absolute expert in the field of sound meditation. He probably wouldn't like me using that word, but it's the truth. And it comes down to the fact that we need to take accountability for our healing ultimately, and that it is an active experience, not passive. Mm. You need to be actively involved in your sound meditation experience. It's not a sound bath, which is passive. So Mm -hmm. there's certain guidance that I give clients during the experience as I facilitate them through various brainwave states, and I help them engage with the sound in such a way that it becomes a tool that they can utilize through leaning into the sound, through observing where they feel the vibration in their body, through learning to observe neutrally without judging or labeling. And finally, through becoming more self-aware of why they are the way that they are and in turn experiencing a deeper connection with self. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's sound meditation, whereas sound healing goes back to what we were saying earlier. Where you kind of go to expect to be fixed and you're not really doing the work for yourself. If you show up and you're like, just create some noise and let me lie down and wash away my sins. Like that's just not how it works. Exactly. And then it's like, hey, I went to this session. How come I'm not healed? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But this is why we need to talk about it because in these modern times, people are grasping for grounding practices and, and what, you know, what you offer is so, 
I guess, for lack of better words, different and new. That's why we need to get the facts down before we go around and tell our friends that I fell asleep in a gong bath and, and I'm healed. So let's get down to, first of all, the basics of your instruments. You work with the gong. You work with crystal bowls, singing bowls. And I know you work with other instruments too. But today I want to focus on those two because those two have really become quite popular in the last year. Um, let's start with the gong. Maybe you can tell us more about where it comes from, its history and, and yeah. The gong has been around for thousands of years since ancient times, from Buddhist monasteries to Borneo, ancient Greece, China, Java, and it's been used as a tool to summon God, literally. Um, it's been used for war, for celebrating marriage, for um, helping souls transition from this life to the next, so through death. And the gong has really deep spiritual significance ultimately. So it, it helps us dive into deep parts of ourselves that we might have repressed and access any shadows. So aspects of ourselves that we'd prefer to deny or just completely avoid. Can't hide anything from the gong ultimately. And the reason that we have a resurgence in the popularity of the gong in modern times and the reason it's used in gong meditation is because of a lineage and practice called kundalini yoga. So in the 1970s, a man by the name of Yogi Bhajan brought the gong over and in, he integrated it into his um, spiritual yoga practice. He brought it over from India to the western part of the world to the States and it became really popular there with a lot of the hippies, a lot of the drugged out hippies. It helped them work through a lot of the different emotional dissonances and issues they were experiencing as well as addiction. So the gong has been popular now since the 70s and, and then in the last few years it's really taken off, which I believe is because people are frankly just stressed out, burnt out, and they are not feeling connected to their soul. Mm -hmm. And then the other instruments that I use, there's various smaller ones, but the other primary one is the crystal alchemy singing bowls. So the crystal alchemy singing bowls are newer. Their ancestor is the Himalayan bowls, which probably more people are familiar with. The Himalayan bowls are ancient. The crystal bowls are newer, and they're from the late 1980s. They were discovered by the same people who were creating computer chips, computer chips that have quartz in them. And in fact, all of our modern technology that we use has quartz inside it. Quartz is programmable, it holds memory. So in the same way, the bowls that you're you know, listening to are really transmuting energy. They hold their own memory and they're able to really shift what's in the room. And it, the same goes for crystals. And we resonate deeply with crystals and with crystal singing bowls because our DNA on a structural level is crystalline. And we are crystalline beings ultimately. So it is like meeting like. It is a sympathetic resonance. And the two instruments really go together as a, as a team. The 
the bowls work more on the ethereal and the light, and then the gong works more on the darkness and the shadows. And you might hear this and think, oh, positive and negative, light and darkness. It's, it's not positive or negative. We need both in life. If we only had lightness, if we only had this brightness in life, we wouldn't appreciate it or understand it. We need the darkness for the contrast, for the perspective, and for the depth. And sometimes the darkness can be the best teacher, the best lessons come out of that. So the gong really helps us what I describe as clean our filter mm -hmm. and then the bowls help kind of lighten yeah. everything. From the experience that I've had on using, you know, in sound meditations, I've had such extreme situations where I had a full on breakdown during a gong bath and it surprised me. It was one of the earlier stages of me learning and, and getting involved with this type of meditation and it shook me. It shook me because I fought it. I fought it and I was like, I'm not going to cry in this class. Like I'm, everyone's chilled out and here's me sobbing in the corner. <laughs> and it, it released something so necessary for me. And then at the end of the session, we had the crystal bowl. And in that moment of, I guess, just allowing the pain to come through what the gong unearthed, the, the bowls gave me hope. It was like, it, it was empathetic. It was like, it's okay. The sound really was telling me it's fine. It's cleansing. It's pure. And I remember I walked out of that session just feeling stoned. <laughs> I was so dizzy, but not in a bad way. I was, I felt lighter. I was really slow and, and it just, it changed a lot of my perception on the power of sound. So I guess on that note, I also want to discuss the history of sound because just in those two explanations behind the gong and the bowls, there is a lot of ancient history behind it. Tell me more. So sound rituals, they date back to ancient times. The pyramids in ancient Egypt, they've recently discovered were used as sound healing temples. You also have the Javanese, you have the Chinese, as we discussed with the gong. You have Native Americans. They still use sound as a very powerful tool for journeys. They use the flute, they use the drum, they, they chant, they recite songs. You have the Sufis, which is part of Islam. It's a, a mystical branch. They are very into music as well. And you also have different lineages throughout ancient India. You have the shamanic Ikaros, which are the plant medicine songs. So sound really dates back. It's our earliest you know, experiences in, in history. And it's always been used as this tool for inward journeys and for epiphanies, discoveries, and cultivating a greater connection with self. And Sound is a universal language. It transcends time, space, culture, lineage. It meets us where we're at. And ultimately, as human beings, we're just, we're seeking harmony. Sound helps us tap into harmony, to equilibrium, to balance. And that's really an, a deep inner yearning that we've always had on a soul level. And one of my favorite uh, Sufi teachers, his name is Inayat Khan, he really says that one day music will be the means of expressing universal religion and true use of music is to become musical in one's thoughts, words, and actions. Mm. And he's one of my favorites because he just really understands sound on a deeper level. And that's it. Like we're musical beings, not mm. only crystalline beings. Mm. And because our cells are vibrating, technically our, our cells are, you know, they're 
creating sound. I love that. To think musically. Is that what he said? Become musical. Become musical. Oh, I love that. He also says that you can tell a lot about a person by the timbre and the quality and the tonation of their voice, Mm. which I find very true. Mm. So when you meet someone and their voice is kind of jarring to you, there's some sort of disharmony. I mean, I I understand that from a, a professional level because I use my voice and I was on radio. And I mean, those on radio have deep voices. Like I think I I mean, I can sway for you know what I do, but I think I have a kind of a deep voice for a woman. And I know that on radio, women also are preferred when they have deep voices. And I guess just to sort of link it to what you shared, I don't know, maybe there is... And I don't know, it's easier for people to receive from a lower tone or timber. Is that right? Maybe? Yeah, I think the way I perceive it is if you look at the chakra system, if you have a deeper voice, you're more grounded into your body. Oh God. You're- yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> but it is it is more relaxing to be around people. A- a deep grounded voice mm. that also is an indication that you're in your center because when people get anxious or worried they yeah. start speeding up the way they talk and yes. they talk yeah. with a higher pitch voice I, and they don't breathe you know so yes i learned that um in acting classes that when you're tense your voice goes hi and you know yep. when you see people on the street and it gets really socially awkward you're like hey and people are tense and that is weird really when we think about it in in our natural voice there is there's also a whole thing we can go to around learning about our true voices which is something that i was revealed in in acting class um because a lot of us are not actually walking around the world with our true voice yeah the voice that we say in public is not the voice that we talk about at home and i shared this with my friends and i asked them what tone do you talk to your parents at home with your family? Like, what voice is that? Because I feel like that could probably be your truest voice, right? Maybe. Or the other way around. Or the other. Because if you have, like, the conditioning and programming of home, Mm. maybe you're free from that when you're away from them. So it can go either way. I'm totally now going to check all, like, my different relationships and be like, who am I speaking to like this? I'm like, who am I speaking to like this? And Wow. Okay, so I'm going to check on. Wait, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. We and kind of took a tangent. I want to say one thing, too, about the voice. That's our greatest sound, quote-unquote, healing instrument is our voice. It's our own divine tool. Okay, so let's go now and lean to the sciencey stuff on how sound waves and frequencies and how that works with our body on a biological level, I guess. Okay, so there's a few different ways, and I could talk about this for hours, but I won't go down that rabbit hole today. I will keep it just on an intro level for the sake of time, and I don't want to lose anyone's interest when I nerd out on this. So one is that it works through a process called brainwave entrainment. Entrainment is just when our brainwaves synchronize with the sound wave that they are exposed to. So when you look at brainwaves, right now we're in a very active uh, beta brainwave state, And then if you go to sleep or go to meditate, you'll drop initially into an alpha brainwave state. The alpha brainwave state is more like just a relaxed dream-like state, like the daydreamy state. Then you'll drop into a theta brainwave state, which is a deeper dreaming, but with rapid eye movement, and then eventually delta. And delta is where profound emotional and physical healing 
um, happens. And that's scientifically proven. It's not woo-woo. There's so many studies on it. So what happens is that through the emanation of the sound waves, we are taken on a journey through slower, deeper brainwave states into a profound sense of relaxation and meditation. And in addition, there's quite a number of emerging studies about how sound impacts, and specifically vibrational sound, impacts our endocrine gland system. Our endocrine gland system is responsible for a number of processes, including intuition, vitality, energy levels, our mood balance, our um, uh, our stress hormones, our um, our fertility even. So what the sound vibration helps do is it restores equilibrium to us, and that's on a cellular level. So if you look at our cellular makeup under a microscope, we are vibrating. So that's how the sound is essentially working. It's through what's called sympathetic resonance. So it's when the, the cells are matching with the vibration they're exposed to. And they've done, again, a number of studies on this, specifically with stringed instruments too, not just humans, and also with uh, tuning forks. And the other thing with sound is that it helps increase the gray matter in the brain. It helps balance our, our mood. It helps with cognition. It helps with memory, helps with the hippocampus and the amygdala in the brain. So this is something the ancients always knew and always discussed. And it's only in modern times that we've started to now catch up to this ancient wisdom. And it's because the diagnostic tools are finally capable of testing this out. They were not capable of this several years ago. So it's quite an exciting time for this field of vibratory sound and sound meditation. And I can guarantee you we're just at the beginning. I love it. It's like a giant, I told you so. Yep. <laughs> it is. Totally. It is because it's true. If you look at any ancient scripture, there is always evidence of sound used and healing practices. 100%. And, and any religion, too. And we be, we've become, at least in my opinion, um, so disconnected from how we lived before, all the wisdom of our ancestors in this modern world that has been taken away because of convenience. Truly, convenience has ruined our connection to our ancestors. That's true. Because we, we don't have to think. It's just there for us, right? But it must be so nice to have the science, the science, well, because, you know, science and I guess alternative, I guess, for, you know, don't know what else to call, but there's always been that conflict because science is trying to prove, whereas with stuff like this, it's just intuitive wisdom, and I know. So now that you guys are at this point where you're getting the results, you must be like, yes told you so. Exactly. And there's a field called vibrational medicine that's been around for a while. And part of the belief and the philosophy with vibrational medicine is that we have, you know, ancient Eastern wisdom and alternative modalities. And then we have Western allopathic modern medicine, which the allopathic is treating symptoms, right? Not getting to the root. And the Eastern is more about getting to the root cause. And the idea is that we want to build a bridge between the two. We need both. But the allopathic modern Western medicine should be more of like an emergency. And the alternative Eastern wisdom that's ancient should be more preventative and something that we are using on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to touch on, too, is that the sound helps us activate our parasympathetic nervous system response, which is this 
rest and digest mode. And we are spending the majority of our lives in this fight or flight sympathetic nervous system response, partially because of our devices, all the notifications, the endless to-do lists, the jam-packed calendars. And so the sound is helping us release and cleanse those stress hormones. And you know, you were saying that Ultimately, we've, we're disconnected with our ancestral practices and with how our ancestors lived. And I ultimately think it's as simple as we're holistic beings. We're mind, we're body, we're soul. But we are living the majority of modern life in our mind. So sound helps us drop into the body and then remember the soul. Mm. Because we didn't lose the soul. We don't need to find the soul. It's there. We are souls. You know, we're right now souls that are incarnated into a dense earthly humanly form but before our time here we were a soul and after our time here when we go to transition off the planet we return to being that soul yeah so it helps us remember our soul and therefore connect with our ancestors too oh my god everything you just said i'm just here just like viciously nodding along because yes ah we can talk I, i i love talking about this stuff and i also think that there's this understanding that needs to be shared that our mind is not our soul Yes. Like our mind, its job is to trick you and say things to you to protect you. Um, but your soul is what you feel. It's in your, it's your gut, you know, it's your heart. And, you know, you can be left brain or right brain about it, but you need to know that your mind is not your soul. There's a difference. Ah, so much yes to this. But let's come back to this topic. We'll, we'll talk about soul contracts and journeys and off mic. <laughs> Um, let's go back into what actually happens during a sound meditation session. And this is more for the first timers or maybe people who listen to this and do it. And now they're listening and maybe they want to know how to do it. And I say this in commas, right. Okay. So I think there's a level of integrity that needs to be um, spoken about first. And it's that understanding that you are your own healer. Sometimes you might go to a sound meditation and you'll have a facilitator just direct you to breathe and then start playing instruments. And that's to each their own. But I personally find that a little bit irresponsible because for first timers, it can be a bit scary. And also there can be an element of us holding too tightly to this realm and to this active brainwave state so that we don't surrender. So what I like to do is I will always introduce clients to the science of what is happening and why, because a lot of us are left brainers. We're in our logical thinking, rational mind, and we need to have it grounded in that science. So that number one, understanding the science of what's happening. And then for your right brain, understanding that this is a space for you to peel away what you are not, to release what is heavy and misaligned in order to remember who you are, in order to hear your truth. So what happens ultimately is I would facilitate you to understand that, you know, when you're experiencing the sound, you're not only hearing it through your ears, you're going to be absorbing it through your skin. The sound is going to speak to your your blood, your bones, your glands, your organs, your cells, your, your mind, your body, your soul. And it's speeding up the vibration, cleansing away whatever is disharmonious and bringing equilibrium to your body, your mind, and your soul. Mm. And so during this experience, it's really important to surrender to the sound and allow it to take you on a journey within. Have the rational thinking mind and have that ego, the lower self, take a back seat for a little bit 
let the soul lead the way because it knows what it's doing. And, you know, during this experience, whatever is meant to happen to you will happen. It is adaptogenic in that way. And there's a number of experiences. You might fall asleep. You might snore. No one likes to snore. I always snore. <laughs> you were good, though, in our session. I Okay, in our session, I was very distracted, to be honest. Okay. I could not uh, drop in. I was super distracted by someone who was snoring. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's it's, such it, does, it does distract, but sorry, please go on. Yeah, so you can have anything and everything in this experience, and whatever happens to you is for a reason, and it's a practice, right? So every time you come, it's going to be completely different. You might be alert the whole time, which it sounds like you might have been in an alpha brainwave state. You might leave your body and have a sensation that you are floating. You might feel that you literally traveled to a different dimension or planet. You might travel to a past life memory. You might connect with your ancestors. You might connect with a relative that has passed on and have a, a moment of closure with them and a moment of forgiveness. You might have uh, crying, as you mentioned, which is a form of catharsis and release. You might have repressed childhood memories come up that need time to be unpacked and, and revisited. And you can also have business ideas, creative ideas coming to you. So anything and everything is normal. And we need to welcome it all because it is a journey, ultimately. Mm. I everything that you just listed of what can come up, I think, from my experience has sort of happened. I mean, not all of them, but through um, my journey with sound, I've had lucid dreams that were so fun. So fun um, when you could just control your own dreamscape. I definitely had thoughts about my ancestors that I never would have before. So I never met my grandparents. They both passed on before I have, and yet, I've had a singing bowl session where I had a clean image of a Chinese woman who must have been my, and I, I knew, I knew you feel it. that it was her. And it was so puzzling to me because I've never met you. I didn't have you in my life. And yet here you are in my mind. No goosebumps thinking about that ceremony. That was really powerful for me. And of course the tears, the tears and, and memories of things that I, haven't given the energy to maybe on purpose it came out so clearly and yeah the hangover was real the next day mm -hmm. the hangover was real and i love that we're having this discussion because here's the thing about trends right and it has become quite trendy in our modern life to have sound um me uh, meditation practices but but something like this, which is so rooted in tradition and history and science, um, if we get too swept up in it just being a trend, we're not going to really be able to understand why it's here. So I hope that, um, yeah, if you guys are listening, and maybe anything that was said hits a spot for you to pique your interest. Maybe you raise an eyebrow, you want to learn more. Definitely look into it. Christina is available on Instagram as well. Um, I'm going to share her details for you guys in the show notes. I'm mindful of the time. We covered so much here and I almost feel like we need to do a part two one day talking about other, other things. But yes, in the interest of time, I would like to round up this episode and maybe asking you, 
how sound has helped you on your journey. What called you to this practice? And and yeah, why? how did you find yourself with the title of an intuitive ceremonialist? <laughs> so Ooh, where right? to begin? Yeah. I have been on a healing journey for literally my entire life. I had quite a troubled childhood. Um, at the age of five, or six, my grandparents introduced me to silent meditation to help me. At the age of seven, I went to my first healing ceremony. And my life has been a series of very difficult and very painful experiences. And at some point, I did have a victim mentality and consciousness about this. But ultimately, what I arrived at is that this was happening to prepare me and to train me. Because if I'm going to hold space for others, I can't guide them through things that I haven't gone through myself. So what I realized too at a young age is I had this gift of intuition, which we touched on earlier. I would get very vivid and, and strong visions and gut feelings that have protected me. I also was able to see spirits from a young age, which frightened me. And ultimately, sound has been so important in my life. I think in most people's life, right? But growing up, I was in choir. I used to take 15 hours of dance classes a week. Um, I was very involved in electronic music when I lived in Europe. Now I'm in Singapore for five years. And sound has always been my outlet in my therapy. And what happened in a few years ago is I was actually in corporate and I was in quite a toxic working environment, which felt out of alignment from day one. And I poured very deeply into my spiritual practice and into sound meditation as a tool to help me really work through that situation, to help me have clarity, to help me stay connected to who I am without getting lost in the toxicity. And it, it saved me ultimately. And through that journey, I had so many realizations. I had known for a very long time that my purpose on the planet was to help others and that it wasn't to work in corporate. It wasn't to care about egoic titles or um, egoic brands and companies. And I had ignored it for so long because I was terrified of starting over in my 30s when I had already built quite a quote unquote successful, at least on the outside, career for myself. But what came to me is that my purpose on the planet is to guide others back home to themselves. And I can only do that through the tools that I've used and the rituals that have helped me do the same. So that is how I came to sound meditation. And ultimately for me, it's an ancestral practice. My ancestors use sound as the same in the same way that I'm using them. And sound has always and will always be speaking to us on this deep soul level and will help us return home to self. It will help us remember who we are and why we are here. And I can only imagine where this journey is going to lead. I'm still young. I'm 35. And now it's crystal bowls and gong. Soon it might be something else, but I am open and I surrender to how this journey is going to present itself in front of me. I'm allowing the divine and my intuition to lead the way. Okay, so then after sharing that, you know, you've lived through some uh, your fair share of hardships, how would you say that sound has truly benefited you in regards to your lived experiences? So it 
really carved out time and space for me to reflect on different painful experiences that I've been through and look at them through a, a new lens. In turn, one of the things that happened in one of my gong meditation sessions is I was able to go back in time and forgive every single person who has ever harmed me or hurt me. I came out of that session bawling my eyes out and feeling lighter than I ever had. Um, it helped me really work through PTSD more than once. PTSD that had been re-triggered from past trauma helped me work through my anxiety and my self-love journey. Self-love has been a huge journey for me in terms of just this sense of needing to be a perfectionist, of not feeling worthy, of having imposter syndrome. Sound helped me understand why that exists, what's the root cause from my childhood, and what experiences leading up to adulthood kept reaffirming and reactivating that wound. And in turn, I was able to, I was able to release it, right? Mm. Which really helped me. And it also helped me work through spiritual bypass. So I think it's very common when we first come to spirituality or quote unquote healing that we want to be positive and light and all good, right? But ultimately, sound, specifically the gong, helped me understand my shadows and begin to pull them out from the shadow into the light to examine them and then to integrate them because our shadows are an integral part of who we are. We need them and they can protect us and help us when we know how to harness them in the right way. So ultimately, sound helped me become more of a, a whole being that is embodied in my truth and that really is experiencing a sense of inner peace and harmony no matter what's presented in front of me, no matter how challenging, no matter how painful, because it's never going to be all rainbows and butterflies, right? And our experience is not linear. It is cyclical. We go through our own seasons. This is what sound helped me remember. It helped me remember the cyclical nature of life. We go through our own personal winter, spring, summer, and autumn, and recognizing what season you're in and how you can work with the energy and the lessons of that season to the best of your ability. Hmm. Wow, that's so impactful. And I've learned so much from this past maybe hour-ish um, talking about sound and yeah, I mean, just hearing your passion behind how it has helped you in yeah, in your life and what you've gone through. And I don't I don't know, but it just seeing the way that you spoke about that, um, yeah, it hits home. It, it means that whatever you did in the path that you're on now is true. And you are walking and doing what you were put here to do. That's what I feel from you. You're someone who's truly embodying and and walking what they represent. And so, so much respect to that. I think this is, yeah, I, I, I have no more questions because that was just such a beautiful round off into my little 101 on our cute little podcast. Um, just so we're clear, learning about sound meditation. Thank you so much, really, for coming on, for sharing about yourself, for sharing about this practice and for helping others who are walking or putting down their phone after listening to this, this podcast with more interest and time and maybe respect towards a practice that is surely creeping back into our modern lives. 
So thank you so much, girl. And yeah, anything else before I round off? Thank you, Henley. It's been a pleasure. And honestly, your questions were amazing. And I think (laughs) that they're questions that a lot of people have wanted answered in in sessions. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be providing a lot of wisdom to them and, and guidance that's very much needed during this hectic and uncertain times. It's still crazy to me that we're still going through a pandemic. It, yeah. Right? Like it's, And I have a feeling we've got a few more years of it. Right. Yeah. Something tells me 2024. Like when I first prayed and meditated on it, when it first hit in February 2020, the number that kept coming was 2024. Mm. And I hesitated to vocalize that because I didn't want to scare people. But now I think it's becoming more realistic mm. that people and also people are more willing to accept it now. I think 2024, we're going to really? understand and have more clarity and, and answers of why. Why thing. and what? So I share, like my friends and I were saying, like, we cannot wait for when we are years ahead and they start making historical documentaries about this time. Because it's so my dad grew up right after the war and he was born in 1943. So like the last two, three years of World War II. And he wow. is obsessed with anything that has to do with World War II because it's his history. And going back and now knowing what he knows now, that's that's this whole act of closure for him and what happened in his life. And that is going to be similar to us with this pandemic. All these things that we're questioning. Why, why, why? Life makes more sense when we look at it backwards. And luckily, with some great uh, documentary makers out there, it'll also be entertaining. So (laughs) I can't wait for that. All right, guys, closing off this episode, like I said earlier, Christina's details, website, and anything, if you want to hit her up, are all in the show notes. And thanks so much for tuning in. Catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.